This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. Okay, now that we've got the ship back, I think we need to hire a full-time engineer. Yeah, hopefully somebody better than me. Well, last week, uh, Parson Vale and Mock just did did meet a bunch of candidates. Um, do you know from the people that they met which like who they would want? Someone with decent skills, and someone we could spend a lot of time with, isolated in the warp. Um, okay, cool, cool. What about um, what about Harvest the Latarian? You interviewed in the canteen. Too serious and law abiding. Not sure how he'll mesh with our style. Okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, what about um, what about Terrence, the Neptunian? You spent some time chatting with them. Oh no, they were sarcastic and would not stop with the bad puns. That's just too silly for what we have on the ship. <sighs> I was in, I was looking forward to prepping puns each week, but all right, all right, fine. Um, what about uh, Melakai, the uh, cork who uh, fixed your flit car? I think I think their name was Mickey. But yeah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. She was a bit chatty, but she did it while working on the car, so that was cool. Oh, she did a great job. I, I think we could work with her. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. I'll 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 start her up, and looks like we got a new full time uh, NPC crewmate. Cool. And with that, welcome to the 440th episode of the Best Director Mark Podcast. Tonight we discuss how to make likable NPCs for your tabletop role playing games. Along the way, we'll take your questions, examples, and comments live in the chat room for life before jumping into the after show. But first. My name is Jerry. My name is Phil. And I am Old Man Logan. All right. Before we get started, let's do our round of uh, temperature checks here to see how everybody's feeling. Phil, how are you feeling? <laughs> Physically, I am feeling fine. Um, I am somehow in an uneasy truce with my work chair. Um, so I'm not as beat up as I have been feeling. I hate my work chair like not my chair here at home. Yeah. My chair in my office. Yes. I hate that chair with fiery passion now. I hate my desk with a fiery passion, to be honest. It's like I have such a better rig here at home. Anyway, feeling fine. Um, I got a ride in today. The weather was nice. So I got a bike ride in with my son. So that was good. Uh, and mentally, um, I am positive in attitude. I am still suffering from concentration problems. Um I'm having trouble focusing on anything that requires uh, effort like Minecraft, reading, uh, things like that. Um, but that's like been like a big, that's been an issue for like the last month or so. I'm still, I'm, I'm still wrestling with it. I, I just, you know, concentration is not my thing. We'll talk about it later in the community corner, but it spilled over into our game on Sunday. Like I got a lot, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble with it in a lot of different places. So otherwise, I, otherwise I'm fine. Like spirits are up. I'm definitely healthy and all that stuff. Um, Jer, how about you? Pretty good, actually. Um, had a fun weekend. Got a chance to unwind a little bit. Um, work's been decent, busy, but decent. Um, we had a lot of people off for the holidays, so everybody's just kind of playing catch up right now. But uh, just able to get a lot of things done. And uh, uh, I can tell that the work is going well because I'm not at the office until 730 every night. So. Um, that makes things a lot easier. And so I can actually get home and get some, uh, some time to relax. That's How about nice. you, Bob? Uh, I am, um, I'm about, uh, an 
a solid average. <laughs> okay. I'm not as tired as I was after the uh, the the grind of move week. Um, um, I still have a lot of stuff to do. Um, dealing with a little little small amount of stress from plumbing issues, um, but physically um, the back is not screaming at me, so that's good. good. My neck is not screaming at me, so that's good. So you know, I'm I'm in a, like a real level neutral right now. <laughs> So, so I'll a take solid it. okay. A solid okay. Solid okay. Yeah. All right. No, there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with a solid Ain't okay. Nothing wrong with that. It's like cornbread. All right. That'll push us right on into the one thing, and I would like to say that, um, unfortunately, it took me a little longer than I had originally planned, but I finally got around to Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, uh, and it is <laughs> delightful. Um, that show um has so much going for it there's a lot of things about it that remind me of um um oh for crying out loud did oh, what is the thing with the crystal gems steven universe oh yeah yeah <laughs> there's a lot of things about steven about uh Kipo that remind me of steven universe the way the way it's written um how much they get done in a short period of time um, the messages that that are in every episode, um, the lessons that that you know that characters are learning, all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, really enjoying it. Didn't it was not what I expected at all. I, I really um, did not expect this this like post apocalyptic landscape thing with giant mega beasts and stuff. But very very cool. Um, thoroughly enjoying it. I'm into season two, and uh, looking forward to see where it goes. Jerry, I just did the thing where I clapped, so everybody yeah. you know, um, <laughs> mentally hit me with like twenty lashes each, and uh, and maybe I'll learn my lesson not to do that anymore. I don't even notice it, so I'll take their word for it. Uh, well, we 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 went to see a, a safe version of Shang Chi this weekend, and the Legend of the Five, uh, Legend of the Ten Rings, and uh, without giving spoilers, I will say it is really really good. Um, mm-hmm. Good characters, good story really well choreographed action sequences, mm-hmm. a plot that moves along, um, a plot that fills in some plot gaps in the other parts of the MCU, some surprise cameos. Um, probably the longest after credit sequence, I think, so far that we've seen. There's two of them, but one of them is pretty long. And just overall, just a really fun movie that does a really good job and even won me over. Uh, early on, I found one of the characters to be annoying and i thought oh my god this is how they're going to be for the rest of the movie this is not good but it was a character growth thing the character doesn't do that after a few learning sequences and goes on from there so i was like oh they did character growth in a marvel movie i'm even happy with that so just overall i was just tickled pink from start to finish um one of the best marvel movies i've seen um and just a really good uh martial arts flick and, uh, and also, as Bob and I discussed, a different kind of flick, but I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Just say, we, Bob and I got our dose of another of our favorite genres in this movie as well. So um, <laughs> let's leave it at that. Yep. Phil? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did all of that, too. Um, uh, my one thing for tonight is um, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, because we were off. Uh, we did our first Night's Black Agents um, session, our first mission, and... Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it went actually pretty well. It was fun running the game again, and um, it was actually fun prepping the game again. I forgot that I really like um, 
I really like uh, prepping Knights Black Agents. I like putting the um, the scenes together and the clues and all that stuff. And um, other than I think one or two little um, on the fly fixes I had to make um, just like little tiny tweaks. The the bulk of it went off um, went off exceedingly well. I thought from my side of the screen. I, I'll let you guys comment on it later in the show. Um, but I had fun. I had fun back behind the screen. I had fun bring. Um, I had fun kicking that game off. And um, it's actually a very different campaign from the um, from the one I did previously uh, because they're very different vampires. Um, should be a lot of should be a lot of fun. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was feeling feeling pretty good about that one. Cool, very cool. All right, that'll push us over to announcements. Uh, we only have one tonight. And that is um, the Forums Dice Bag Giveaway new winner. Unfortunately, when we had our first picks of the two winners, um, we could not get in touch with Forum member Chuck for the uh, the uh, the winner of the the Bag mm-hmm. Tulu Dice Bag from Wayward Masquerade. So I had to draw a new one, and it turned out to be a longtime friend of the show, Victor Wyatt. Victor Wyatt. So I have contacted yeah. Victor. He's got his address to me. Um, so we're going to get that out to, to Victor uh, ASAP, and that will close out the uh, the dice bag giveaway. We have to check with Send and see what her progress is, if any, on uh, on making the She's a Super Geek dice bag. Um, no huge critical hurry on that, but um, so that will close that contest out. And, uh, again, next time we won't let it drag out for, like, 18 months. <laughs> we're a little overly optimistic about how many uh, – how many people we would get uh, on the forums, I think. But, uh, all right. Now, the feature segment, everybody's favorite workshop. Phil? Sure. Yeah. All right. Let's do the thing. Get ready. Boom. Workshop! Workshop! We're making likable PCs tonight. We want NPCs, not PCs. We're making likable NPCs. We want you to like these NPCs. We want them to be part of your party. We want them to be regulars in your game here. In the workshop, don't suck. Yes, don't suck. See, proof positive that we do absolutely nothing to like that is done completely on the fly, we, right? That, that is, is, that is spoke spoke. openings for the segment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, nothing, nothing, artisanal. or there's nothing scripted for that thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, this uh, this episode kind of came off discussions we had about some games that I've been in, both as a GM and as a player, where we had NPCs that were intended to be. Um, liked by the party and become regulars and the players just did not like them at all. Um, I often see it as a player in some of my older games, the GM has introduced an NPC that they obviously want Tess to have as like a likable person. And the players go anywhere from not interested to um, outright killing the character on site. Hmm. And this means that the GM didn't create a likable NPC. And we discussed there are different ways to do this. So we said, how can a GM create a likable character that will interact with the party and also um, kind of give the party the things that the GM needs them to have for that story. So tonight we're going to figure out what makes them likable, what to do if your NPC is not likable, and then we're going to round table about some NPCs that were hits and misses. All right, and of course to do that, Phil's got to do some definitions for us up front. So, mm-hmm. behold, you are in the presence of Definition Panda. I mean, let's hit our key word for tonight, likable, uh, especially of a person. 
pleasant, friendly, and easy to like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's pretty straightforward, right? Likeable. Um, it, you know, if an NPC is likable, the characters find that NPC easy to like. Um, and, um, you know, it's not that the NPC is nice because we can have an NPC that's nice and no one likes them. Right. Uh, but rather people like this character. Um, I did Bob, Bob disagreed with me a little here, but I, you know, was like, and may want to be friends with them. Right. I don't think, I, I think you were saying it's not, not a necessary requirement to yeah, want to be the, friends the way with them. it was worded and then as as we go through the show there are a few times in here where it, it, it we seem to be leaning in the notes heavily on the the characters want to be friends with this person and i'm like let's just go with that but for me personally there have been npcs that i really liked that my character would never be friends with but they trust them they get along yes sure and and that's yeah. you know so for me, there was just a little bit in my mindset about like where we were going with the with the with the the notes, and I was like, "We'll just go with it." I, but I'll make my I think, I'll make my opinion known. I think what it comes down to is it's less the characters and more. I think that the NPC has to be somebody that the players want to interact with on a regular basis. Uh yeah, yeah, we're gonna get to that because yeah, that's yeah. got a lot to do with. Um, it's got a lot to do with with this. And I think the important, I mean, I was taking this from Jerry's uh, original complaint, right? That the GM is trying to push NPCs towards the party and uh, everybody hates them or wants to kill them. So, uh, you know, when, especially when the NPC was supposed to be some sort of asset, yeah, right? Like, you know, it's one thing if like, you know, the town guard is, you know, um, pleasant and, um, you know, you just don't, you know, you pass them as you come in and out of town. It's another thing. If you're trying to recruit, like in our opening, you're trying to recruit the new mechanic for your ship. And, um, you know, you would like them to be more than just marginally. Okay. Right. Like you want like the, you know, this is a reoccurring character that's going to appear. So I guess the thing we can say about likable uh, based on that, right. Is that um, it's not a binary, right. It's a, it it is an analog thing. A character can be somewhat likable. A character can be very likable. And so maybe on the low end of that analog scale, um, they're pleasant and you don't really want to be friends with them. And on the higher analog scale, right. When you turn that up, um, they're the kind of NPC that the players are like, Oh man, like we should just take this NPC with us. Like we should just like, they should travel with us for now on. Cause they're so much fun. Right. Yep. Um, so let's, let's go with that. Like I didn't have that written originally, but, but I like that from, uh, I like that from your note that likable is a scale. Um, and on the low end of the scale, it's like you said, Bob, it's like, well, I like this person, but I don't think my character would actually hang out with them. And on the high end of the scale, it's like, you're my new best friend. You're traveling with me for now on. There you go. Okay, cool. Cool. Uh, another word I want to bring up, uh, which is going to come into play later tonight, is bleed. Uh, we haven't talked about this in a while. I believe Alex Roberts was on the show last time we uh, had a, a deep discussion about bleed and emotions. But bleed is when the emotional state of either the character, and I'll be clear about this, um, characters don't have emotions. Characters emulate emotions, right? Um, but when the emotional state of the character or player crosses over to the other. Right? So bleed in is when the emotions of a player start to affect the actions of a character bleed out is when the emotional state of the character, that is things that have been done to the character um, to produce a certain emotional state bleed into the um, bleed out to the player and start affecting the player 
the player's emotional state. Um, bleed is a player action, right? It's not a character action. It's a player action. And it's actually one we have control over, right? Um, there are times when, um, there are times when um, a situation does not uh, cause bleed, even though it was designed to, right? Like we could have a, um, you know, we could have a, a bad guy uh, kill a henchman or something. And you're like, oh, I'm so pissed. You're not really pissed, but your character is, yep. right? You're not bleeding there. Um, yeah. And bleed is a thing that we can also, like, bleed's the thing we can also allow, right? Like we can just open ourselves up in a game to choose to to bleed, right? Like we can choose to like bleed out and be like, I'm, I just want to totally like sink myself into this character and feel all their emotions like as it happens. Um, so it, it's not like a lot of times when people talk about bleed, they sometimes like, they'll talk about it as kind of an involuntary response, right? Like something happens in the game and all of a sudden you start feeling terrible about it. Right. Um, or you had a shitty day at work and now your character's a jerk in the game, right? Cause you're bleeding one way or the other. And that happens, right? It absolutely happens. It is, you know, there's definitely an involuntary component to it, but there is absolutely a conscious decision um, where a player can choose to bleed or not um, in a, in a game. Absolutely. And some people love it, right? Some people uh -huh. love, uh, you know, some people just love like opening that up and just letting it like, you know, like take it all in. And some people don't. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Some people did not sign up for that in their game and like would rather not. Um, so it, it's something for each that, person. Yeah. But bleed when, especially when it's unexpected, um, yeah. when you get the surprise bleed, um, it can be very jarring. Yes. And, and, and that's why safety tools are important because sometimes you'll hit something that's bleed and uh, case in point, that game of uh, turning point that uh, Senda and I made me cry. <laughs> yes. Right. That was some completely unintentional bleed. And I literally needed a moment. Like <laughs> it was, it was, I got to compose myself. I have to, I have to take a moment. And I was very close to using open door and just getting up and walking away from the table for a moment. Um, yeah. Which so, is, which is exactly, which is exactly what open door is for. Exactly. Right? Open door is exactly um, for the, Hey, my emotional state is up and I need to deescalate it. Right. I need to bring it down. Yep. And sometimes the best thing to do is like, I'm going to go take a walk and go get some water or I'm going to go to the bathroom or something. Right. Yep. Just very walk it off to remember that. Okay. So now that we have a framework for our discussion, Jerry, why are likable NPCs important in a game? Well, it might sound self-explanatory, but it's worth taking a closer look at why it's so important. Because friendly NPCs are a tool for the GM to use in their game. Um, an NPC that's likable is one of the characters to befriend, and at some level are going to trust. And unless you're trying to run a, a backstabbing campaign, you want the players to occasionally trust some NPCs uh, because if they trust the NPCs, they're also going to trust the GM's input from that NPC, and it can be useful. Uh, because they're friendly, they're often going to help or assist the characters for nothing in return. And this is a good way for the GM to provide assistance to ease the difficulties during the course of some games. Sure, right. Like the characters are badly wounded during a mission, but one of them has a wealthy friend who's willing to hide them on their estate as they patch themselves up, allowing the characters to kind of lay low, get out of danger kind of thing. Next is that interactions with likable NPCs are a beat change, especially for darker or more super intense games. 
Yeah, like as members of a rebel squadron that engage in heavy and deadly combat each day, like going to the local restaurant run by the friendly NPC to get dinner is like a nice beat change from the mission, right? Like mm-hmm. they come in and they make small talk and maybe some jokes and uh, and things like that. That's like a nice beat change from, you know, hey, we were all flying in our, you know, in our flying death traps and, you know, four of us didn't make it back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Next is that playing friendly NPCs is also fun for the GM. Um, it can be exhausting if you're a GM and all you get to play all the time are neutral and hostile NPCs. Because um, let's face it, the GM, who's most like your friend as well, can still enjoy playing characters that banters with the PCs, gets a chance to play the friendly character, the character who isn't doom and gloom all the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I mean, I think. I mean, I think often of the you know, be a fan of the be a fan of the players. Um, and I am a fan of the players. Sometimes I'm a fan of the characters. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about, oh, yeah. um, I'll talk about an NPC later, but like, I liked the characters from um, our Tales from the Loop game so much uh, that one of our friendly NPCs was like the honorary member of that yep. group. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it was fun to play her, yep. like just to do the banter parts. Um yeah, I love playing. Well, because here's the thing: when you're when you play like a hostile or neutral NPC, the players don't talk to them as much. No, nope. right? Mostly, there's like some chit chat. Okay, roll for initiative. I'm going to push this guy's face in, right? Yep. Like, you know, or time, you know, no monologuing. I'm going to thwart you now. Um, so the the one time that like as a GM, I, I don't want to say one time, right? Because there's always exceptions, but one of the best times as a GM to really get in there and like actually have fun acting is when the NPC is friendly and the players are like, like they want the NPC around. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that later on with one of the characters that have, that happened with, Mm -hmm. um, that makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So all that makes good sense. And it seems more realistic if someone is out there that the characters like and are friends with, but how do we make that happen? Phil? How do we make people our friends, Bob, is what you want to know, right? I just want you all to be my friends. Will you be my friend? It's an important skill, right? I just want to make you be my friend. No. Um, No. But but this brings us to the crux of what of what Jerry's original query was, right? Mm -hmm. How do you make an NPC likable? Right. Um, like where do like you know, it, it's one thing if you just like throw out some NPCs and like all of a sudden the players are like, we love this guy. Yep. And you're like, okay, like, guess I'm going to, you know, add yeah. spotlight to this character, yeah, right? Like, do it. And, and I've had that happen in games, right? I've like thrown NPCs out and then the players are like, you know, oh, that NPC is hysterical or that NPC is great. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, we'll have them, like, we'll have them on board. But when yep. you're trying to like push a, a, an NPC forward, like, the mechanic, like something like, you know, like a character that needs to be around. How do you make one likable? And this is where bleed comes in. Uh, a likable NPC, a, a like, and I'm talking again, so from our earlier definition on the analog scale, on the high end of the analog scale, mm-hmm. a likable NPC is both likable to the character and to the player. Because characters don't have emotions, right? Character is just a construct that, you know, we portray. A character doesn't, like, characters don't have emotions. They emulate emotions, right? My character is angry. My character is happy, whatever. Um, And as players, we decide on that emotional state for the character. um, And then, you know, we we act them out to one level or another in the game. Um, And sometimes we just say what the character's emotion is, right? And it's completely different from ours, right? Uh, Ours as the player. Mm -hmm. 
but let's face it, you have something worse, like the bully in the pub is going to throw a drink in your face. Uh, the character is going to be angry, but as players, we're going to be happy. We're about to get into some combat. We're going to have a, a barroom brawl. I've had the chance to flex that new ability of mine. Ding. Um, but, exactly. But the, but the character is going to be, you know, you just threw a brick in my face. I'm not pleased with that at all. Uh, now it's time yeah. to stomp on you. So. Um, right. In that state, there's no bleed. Right. There's there's no bleed. The player is the controller of the character and decides like uh, they're angry and that's the state they emulate. And, uh, you know, based on, you know, we do this like based on the story, how we think the character is going to react, like how well we know our character, uh, that kind of thing. Now, there are other times where we bleed right into our character uh, and the character emulates the emotion that we, the player, are feeling. Yeah. For example, Baron Von Badass hits and takes out one of the members of the party. Uh you, as the player, gets mad that one of your friends just got taken out. And then your character may emulate that anger in your choice of words and actions. Um, and Baron Von Badass is about to get a giant boot up his behind. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's time, it's time for me to use all my dailies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Voltron all my dailies together into just mm-hmm. one mega attack. Um, yeah, like, sorry. Right, so what does all that have to do with likable characters, which is this? Uh, if you want an NPC to be likable, you need to make the NPC likable to both the player and the character so that the player's emotion bleeds into the character. If the player likes the NPC, the character will probably also on some level like the NPC as well. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, again, exceptions being exceptions, people will always be like, well, I, you know, I totally, you know, I totally love this thing, but, you know, my character hated it or whatever. And I've done that mm-hmm. too. Like, it's totally yeah. fine. But if I'm trying to get players to like an NPC, if I'm trying to get characters to like an NPC, I'm also trying to get their players to like them too. Yep. Okay. So if you make the NPC likable to the character, but fail to make them likable to the players, it's really hit or miss, right? The players will choose to emulate being friendly, but it may not like they may not connect with the NPC. They may only tolerate them, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but if you can get the players to like the NPC, um, their characters will come around on the NPC. Even yeah. if they initially dislike them, they'll come around. Um, they'll find a way. Like, remember when Tony, Bob, Bob, remember when Tony almost killed us like seven times in Dungeon World? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. But as a player, I loved it. Right. So I was like, I would go out of my, I went out of my way to find a reason not to murder Tony. Now that was a player player thing, but it's the same principle, right? Like same concept. Yeah. Yeah. Same concept. I loved it as a, as a player. I was like, Oh, these, like these dead gods, Tony keeps summoning and making things worse are a blast. I, and I was like, I, as a character should kill Tony's character. (laughs) Like, like my barbarian should kill Tony's character in the dungeon right now. And then I was like, I need to work to find a reason not to. And that's what I'm saying about when your play, when, when your player likes an NPC, they will find a way for their character to like the NPC. All right. So that's what we're going to build on with our advice. That's the crux of tonight's episode. If you don't believe that, if you don't believe that piece, uh, then I don't know what to tell you about the rest of the episode, but that's what we're building off of is that piece right there. Okay, the so linchpin. The, yeah, the linchpin is what I'm saying. to the entire argument. Keystone, <laughs> right? If you're not down with that, maybe skip ahead to the conversation going. Yeah, see what That's see right. what see what we've been watching <laughs> on TV. Though. Yeah. All right. So let's start with the character level. Jerry, how do we make an NPC likable to a character? Well, first, you have to look at the different traits that are going to make the character character likable. These are going to be based on the game you're playing and the character in question. 
These are going to be mostly logical things based on compatibility, usefulness, and the like. But again, the characters don't have an emotion. So an NPC that's likable needs to provide some benefits to the character. And here are some suggestions. First, have an NPC who's into the same things that the character's into. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing a mech engineer and uh, the NPC is a fan of mechs, like maybe it's like a little kid who's like a, you know, um, who's a huge fan of everything, you know, mech related. And, um, you know, every time they see the character, they come running up to ask them like about, you know, oh, did you know, does it have this stabilizer? Did it use this weapon or whatever? Something like that. The key here is that that this is going to give the player as a uh, the character as a player a chance to talk about their character, interact with the NPC in a way they like about things they like. The trick is not to have the NPC come over and monologue about mechs for 10 minutes. It's to get them to have a conversation about something that the character and hopefully the player are interested in. And this is a good chance for some role-playing. I mean, I don't want to be Machiavellian here, but really when you want to make friends with someone or at least just you know want to get to know someone, the faster you can get them talking about themselves and the things they like, the better your whole conversation goes. Oh yeah. yeah. Well I mean, well. you know this because you, I, you know this because you have done sales, right? Like occasionally. <laughs> what's that? Occasionally. Occasionally. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, but no, I mean, that's, I mean, I do this, I mean, as a project, as, as a person who leads projects, right. That like, it is important for me when I get a new team member who I uh, don't know, to actually kind of learn something about them um, so that, you know, I can make small talk with them because it, it matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does. Makes teams work better. Yep. Second is that um, this NPC is going to give the character uh, things, item, resources, whatever, without expecting anything in return. There is an NPC who shows up and as part of the interaction with the character, gives them some sort of resource they can use. Yeah, you know, your characters in this campaign are rebels, um, and your NPC supports the rebellion, so they give the character shelter and medical assistance in their, like, secret room in the back of the bar. Uh There you go. Number three is that they're going to support your character's goals. Yeah, like, um, your, you know, your character is like a low-level fighter who wants to escape their hometown, find their fortune. Um, the barkeep that you're playing as the NPC is a retired adventurer who's like, I will take you under my wing and I will like, I will train you to be the adventurer that you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, they are the kind of person that's going to protect or defend the character. Yeah, like your uh, space infantry trooper, right? Fighting on the ground, you know, fighting in various ground battles. And um, your, you know, the NPC is a fighter pilot who provides air support. Cool. I can't remember that. I can't remember that line from... Uh, um, Starship Troopers. Fleet does the flying, and MI does the dying. There it is. Thank there you. you. Yep. Thank you. There you go. Would you like to know more? <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, so right. we have reasons that the character is going to like the NPC, but how do we get that same NPC to be likable by the player, Phil? Yeah. So when we're looking at what makes an NPC likable to players, we now need to look at what um, we need to look at what the NPC can do to, to evoke positive emotions that will bleed from the player into the character. Now, this will involve a little more insight as you are now looking for things that are going to evoke positive emotions in your players. So the better you know your players, um, the more deliberate you can be with this. If you don't know your players well, uh, you're going to just throw some spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks here, right? We're going to give you some ideas of what to throw at the wall, but you're just going to be throwing some stuff at the wall. If you know your players, you're going to be able to you're going to be able to tailor this approach a little more. You're going to be able to kind of like 
Um, you know, like I want, like, I want Bob to like this character. Here's some things I'm going to do that I know will get Bob. Yep. Okay. Right. Uh, here's our list. We got a, we, we got a list. It's not, of course, not comprehensive, not in any order um, as always, but here is a list of things that often produce good feeling emotions in most people. Of course, it's going to be flattery. Um, the NPC is going to compliment the PC on the latest exploits, make them feel proud of their accomplishments, recognize them for what they did. Yeah, it's good. Um, the uh, the NPC flirts with them. Um, the NPC and the character flirt with one another, sharing innuendos, little quips, those kinds of things. Um, this makes the character seem desirable. However, remember, uh, anytime you're doing some sort of romantic interlude, make sure you have consent. Consent's important. And this is a good place that uh, you can use uh, Send and Fill's Spark tool for this. Um, when characters are interacting with each other, uh, is there some sort of spark between them? You can ask that outright. And if the player says yes, continue on. If the player says no, move back. Uh, I've, had this ha- I've had this happen in games where it's obvious the GM is trying to throw a romantic interest at, and I'm like, I cannot stand this character. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why they picked this character, but this character has absolutely no interest. We didn't have this dark tool at that point. And I actually had to say outright to the GM, I'm like, time out. I'm like, is is this character supposed to be like a romantic interest or something? Because right now my character wants to get away from them as much as possible. And not in and that fun, not in that fun Pepe Le Pew kind of way. <laughs> I am coming. I am even coming as a child, for you. Even as a child, we knew that was wrong. <laughs> I am coming for you, my dear. Yeah. Uh, so, um, okay. Next. Make them laugh. Um, if the NPC is a possessive humor that often makes the player laugh during the session, this could be a lot of fun, and the players are going to in- enjoy the comedic uh, moments. However, here's a caveat. Make sure that the players actually find this humorous or fun. What's funny, the GM might be really annoying to the players. Not everybody likes puns. Um, not everybody likes the fact the, that the, the NPC might be adding information in. Sometimes you have the, the NPC who just interrupts every comment with a joke, the players may find that annoying. Um, or they may find it absolutely hilarious and keep setting it up. Um, but basically, you want to have that be something that the players interact with and enjoy. And lastly, make sure that this doesn't uh, disrupt the tone of the game. If you're playing something really serious, like a serious Call of Cthulhu game or Dread or something like that, um, humor may not be appropriate. And having an NPC who's suddenly making jokes all the time um, in a way that becomes silly uh, might be a problem. Yeah, so. your 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 super serious, you know, your super serious war drama is not going to, you know, your Fozzie Bear character is not going to go over very well. Yeah. No. Now, if you're going with Hawkeye from Mash, yeah, that's a little different. Or apparently, uh, yeah. or apparently Hawkeye from the Avengers at this point. So. Oh, talk about we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that when we get to the community corner. Oh, yes, <laughs> so good. All right, uh, next one on the list is be vulnerable. Um, so for instance, the NPC tells the character about their fears or worries the night before battle. Um, vulnerability creates empathy and being vulnerable with someone, it often makes us feel safe, um, and safe enough and often to be vulnerable as well. Um, the vulnerable route is great. Uh, I'll just say for players who like drama, right? So if you, you know, if you're, if you're playing with, if you're playing with players who really like drama, opening up and being vulnerable is like a really good way to like to get them in and talking. As we will find out in the in the conversation corner, it does not always create empathy, unfortunately. 
Uh, yeah, it's got to. I mean, it's got to be the right. It's got to be the for the right person and the right things to be vulnerable yeah. about. Yeah. 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 All right. Next, be thankful. The NPC thanks the character for saving their bakery in the last raid. They hug them and then rush to throw a basket full of food to feed them. Tell them to come every day for fresh bread. Make the player feel appreciated. Um, this this could have a lot of effects because, to be honest, a lot of people in their non-gaming life do things that they never get recognized for. Recognizing the player for doing really nice things um, may tie them off really well and have them come back to that character over and over again. That's a good point. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a very good point about you know the fantasy fulfillment parts of our of our gaming, right? We want to feel powerful. We want to feel heroic many times, that kind of thing. And it's safe. Yeah, exactly. Um, be excited, right? The NPC is excited to see the character, right? This kind of goes back to the, like the little kid who's the mech fan, right? Like mm-hmm. um, they be excited to see the character, make it a point to run over to them and greet them anytime they return, like when they return to space dock. This makes the player feel special. They listen to the character. The NPCs is going to spend time with the character, listen to their problems, their feelings, their stories. Um, this is going to give it, the player a chance to express their feelings and emotions and also kind of delve into parts of the character they might not get a chance to do when they're, you know, fighting the monsters on the battlefield or flying through space or whatever. It gives them a chance to, to get more into their character. Yeah, and listen to, char- listen to the character and be vulnerable or like, uh, like a uh, killer combo. There's a lot um, of these that work well with combos. Oh yeah, yeah. You can, yeah, I, I, probably a good point. Um, you can you can bundle a bunch of these together to really like to really um, deliver the good the warm feels. Oh, be um, excited! And, be excited and flirt is a good combo, also. Exactly, it's a very anime one, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's totally very anime one. Yeah. <laughs> um, spend time with them. Right. The GM always gives a scene for the barkeep and your character to talk. Right. Um, over time, those interactions mixed with some of the other things we just talked about, give that player good feelings and spotlight time. Right. Players love spotlight time. They share information or secrets with them. Um, sometimes it's just secrets about themselves, but sometimes it's that thing the players need to know. Um, and the NPC can share some of that. This is especially useful if you as the GM forgot to tell them something earlier or the heroes missed that clue entirely. Um, or if you're in a game where the heroes have been misled by other NPCs, giving them, oh, yeah. finally, giving them finally a secret that the NPC is trusting them goes a long way. Um, and sometimes it can just be something as simple as something that the player or the character and the player have been looking for that isn't part of the existing campaign. If you're running an adventure and you realize that the player really wants to do X, Y, and Z. This is a chance to, you know, I know where to find that, or I know that answer, or, you know. I know why um, your mother's missing. Exactly. Yep. Um, and that gives some, that gives some real, some real hooks. Um, and again, that ties in with vulnerability and makes for some interesting conversations. Absolutely. All right. So we know how to make an NPC likable for both the character and the player. How do we bring it all together? All right. So if we're going to be doing this, the traits we listed to work for NPCs you're making on the fly or the ones you create through your, your prep all kind of get bundled together. There's no one way to do this, but here's a little framework that you can use if you're creating a likable NPC. First, you want to figure out the basics, get the name, the description, the occupation, and then address the character reasons first. Figure out why you want that NPC to make sense in the game world and what are they going to do to help or assist the characters. Then determine which what player approaches make sense for the character, their reason, their NPC personality, and then present the NPC to the players by showing off the character reasons first to give reasons for getting the NPC into the scene. 
And then once they're in the scene, flip over to the player approach and combine that with the character approach to evoke the player's emotions. Mm-hmm. We good? Yeah. Do you want to do an example? Yeah, let's do an cool. example. Cool. Let's do an example. Uh, Jerry, for our, for our NBA game, I am going to uh, make a likable NPC that your character knows. So um, I'm going to start with the fact that I know that your your character had an MI6 background. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that they're former MI6. Okay. Um, but and like you, they're retired and out of the game. But this this NPC does not um, freelance or anything. They now just run a tobacco shop in London. Like they got out of the game and like was like cashed in their chips and was like, I'm going to live a very comfortable and simple life now in my tobacco shop and, you know, stay out of the spy biz. Um, from the character approach, I'm going to use that um, they support your goals, right? While while they're no longer an active spy, um, a lot of current and former MI6 agents still frequent the shop to get tobacco. They sit in the lounge area and smoke pipes and cigars. And so um, there's a whole bunch of things that this character picks up from just being there and people talking to them. Uh, and from a player approach, I'm going to take um, I'm going to take two. Uh, pieces. I'm going to go with makes you laugh, right? They're a bit of a jokester. They're funny. Um, they love telling stories about past ops um, and kind of the running gag in the game. Like when we're playing is that um, they always remember some outrageous like operation you guys were on. Like there's, it's always different. Um, and somebody gets killed. That'll be like part of like when he's telling the story, like, you know, it's like, oh, remember it was like you, me and Jackson. And like, you know, we set those charges and then blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and, you know, and then Jackson died like two years later. Like, you know, yeah. and like, like it's, it's always this like weirdly macabre, um, like gallows humor kind of thing. Like it's a funny story. And then like somebody dies. Uh, and then lastly, um, this character is thankful. Um, you save their fight. You save their life in a firefight in Iraq. Um, and so they give you intel. Um, as kind of a, a way to say thanks. And it's not, it's like not even a debt you can like you can pay off. So it's like a character, like it's an NPC you can always go to Yep. because, you know, like they always remember like, Oh, you know, I'll never forget, you know, I'm never going to forget, you know, you pulling me out of that, you know, out of that house in Fallujah, that kind of thing. Right. Like it's that thing. Mm-hmm. So like when we play out a scene with this NPC, like I'm going to start with a funny war story, right. <laughs> I'm going to tell you somebody who died, from you know within that war story like and then i'm gonna like drop you some intel and then hit you up at the end with how thankful they are like just a reminder like they remember sounds good i like that character yeah i think i'm actually going to use that um by the way like i wrote it up for this and then i was like i should probably just actually keep this character for the actual just 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 swap out tobacco shop that's all oh sure that's fine we can change we change it to like whatever yeah uh so, umbrella store, Taylor, umbrella store, any, any yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just lose respect at that point. Um, all right. So having done that, um, what happens is you basically reinforce their likability. And then as we have additional seeds with the NPC, we're going to build more and more martial investment in the NPC. I mean, I'm already hooked on this character. It's going to be fun to play with. Um, and when the players find an NPC be likable, they're going to want to have more scenes with them. And that's always fun. Yeah, I mean, if you wind up having, you know, um, if you wind up having a couple really good likable NPCs, uh, players will pull them back into scenes. Uh-huh. Like yes. when they get into space dock, they'll be like, oh, no, no, I'm going back to the bar, right? Like I need mm-hmm. to go see more. Like, yep. yeah, exactly. 
He's a good listener. He's a great listener. <laughs> and I guess funny too, right? I think that's the other thing about Morin is that he's super funny. <laughs> yeah. Morin's got a singular wit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what if we have an NPC that we wanted to be likable, but we missed the mark? Well, what, is there anything we can do to turn them around? Uh, yeah, right. So like as long as the players don't hate the NPC, um, there's there's probably a path that you can turn this NPC into something more likable. If they hate them, like eh, you probably it's probably not so good. Um, but if that if we're not at that point, um, then there's probably some ways to salvage this. Right. We're going to like using what we've laid out above. You're going to want to first determine um, what or if the character approach was like what what's the buy in from the character side and then kind of look at how you've been playing the NPC and figure out which player approaches you've been using right and in many cases um you might have just like made this npc up and not actually thought out whether there's a character approach um or a player approach right so like you may not have these um like you may not have one of these mm -hmm. uh, and so you might have all your character approaches down but you don't use the right player approach and so they just become a a resource in the background that the players don't really care about yeah yeah, they don't hate them, but they don't love them, yep. right? So in that case, like you got to like in that case, you know, go through your player approaches and um, you know pick ones that you think are going to make the uh, NPC more appealable, and um, and then work that into your future seats. Um, now, the other case, which is also likely, is that you have a player approach, um, but it's not resonating with the players or player, right? Maybe you're trying to you know, target this NPC at a particular player and you're doing stuff, but it's not working. For instance, uh, I created an NPC and I try to win Phil over and that NPC is overexcited and talks real fast and gets in Phil's character's face whenever they're around. And this doesn't work out because Phil is more low key. So now I have to change the NPC to be more vulnerable by apologizing to Phil's character by being so excitable, tell them they don't have a lot of friends and really want to be friends, try to evoke some vulnerability, empathy from Phil and try to create a better connection, hopefully. Yeah, right? So like just that sh that subtle shift and even recognizing like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, like I'm, I I get all excited when, you know, like when I'm trying to make mm -hmm. friends and like I always overdo it, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, this happened to me all through school, you know, like that kind of thing, like um, recognizes that, oh, that approach didn't work. And, you know, here I'm now switching it up to a new approach and being vulnerable. And I'm actually just working that other thing into because once I like this character, right, once this this vulnerability appeals to me and I like this character, the next time they're excitable, I will have empathy. Right. Mm -hmm. I won't be as annoyed with that character because I'll be like, oh, right. Like, hey, 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 it's good to see you. Take a deep breath. Calm mm -hmm. down, my friend. Right. It's like it's that thing. Right. It's it's suddenly when you when you like them. Um, traits that you didn't like, you can make accommodations for. Um, and and then and then that that character that was super excitable and not likable suddenly starts coming around. Yep. Now, there's one other little thing that we that we didn't mention here, and it kind of takes a different turn on everything. I have played in games, GM games, and uh, scene games, where one of the ways to make the, the NPC likable is to give them some very basic character traits. And then let one of the other players who's not in the scene play the NPC the first time. Because you might see the other players reacting to the new player as an NPC um, 
and their personality in a way that makes it easier for everybody to get along with. Um, I've seen GMs do that where they introduce an NPC, the NPC doesn't quite catch with everybody. The next time the NPC shows up, the GM's like, uh, you know, hey, Bob, you want to play this character for a second? And then Bob comes in and adds a little tweak that the GM hadn't thought of, and now all of a sudden everybody likes him. So this I is will not say, the best option, but it works sometimes. Go ahead. Right. So I'll say what that's basically doing, right, is farming off mm-hmm. the um, it's farming off the player approaches. Yep. Right on, you know, onto the player who maybe that player, um, either one just acts like can do that better, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, um, like I'm not super punny, right? And if I had an NPC that was super punny, I'm not sure like how I would pull it off. But if I farmed it to Bob. Right. Like I have a better chance of it working because um, Bob does those dad joke things all the time and I groan at them, um, but they are pretty funny. Um, so and that idea is that you're basically doing the same thing. You're just farming out the work, mm-hmm. right, which is totally yeah. legitimate. Yeah. Um, plus, the other thing is that and this goes back to bleed. Um, if I'm super cool with Bob and Bob's portraying this NPC. I'm probably also going to be pretty cool with this NPC. Um, mm-hmm. And this works even better with flirty, mm-hmm. right? Like um, if the person who's being flirty with you is someone you have some level of attraction with, um, it makes that flirty even easier. I, I think about the Dwarven guards in the Eberron campaign that Bob and I were in. Yep. Where, where, yep, where one of the players had to go up to the guards and we kind of caught the GM a little off guard on, on what we were asking. And um, he just turned, Chris just said, okay, you know, you guys want to play the guards? And we just jumped in and played devil's advocate against the same thing to the point where after that, these were the guards we always went to talk to. If we did, they weren't even necessarily friends of our characters, but we liked them as, as NPCs. And even when we did shenanigans, we made sure our shenanigans never got them in trouble. Like we were always going to make sure that they were, covered even though sometimes they were the foil we were trying to deal with in the first place um and it made it a lot of fun for everybody so um, yeah yep that worked out well yeah so to go back to that right just kind of changing up your approach um Mm -hmm. like one being deliberate about your approaches could help because you may just be missing something and then again changing up your approaches and like and you know that third option of farming it out to somebody else who might be able to do those approaches uh better um, are all ways to um, turn a un, like a unlikable or not so likable NPC into something more likable. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. So that's how we are looking at how to make NPCs likable. Um, but first, we're going to check with the chat room. So there's been some interesting comments. I want to see what's going on. And Bob is going to tell us about another show on the Mistrict and Bark Network. All right, so our good friends, Phil and Senda, do a little show called Pandas Talking Games, where they answer your questions about RPGs from different perspectives. Sometimes it's one-shots versus campaigns, and sometimes they mix it up. But every time, it's got panda silliness in it. And according to the rumors, there's a lot of scuttlebutt on the internet that if you listen to the show, you will love it. I don't know if there's something nefarious going on, I don't know if somebody struck a bargain with a dark entity. Um, so you may want to watch out, but um, I find it to be an entertaining, enjoyable thing. I may have already been corrupted by the darkness. Who knows? Check it out. All right. So they the s- chat room. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Phil. Did I uh, 
that I preach. I was just going to say, they say, they say there's some chemistry between the hosts. They, they the, hosts have good, the hosts have good chemistry is what I've been told. Yes. I've heard that. Yes. Yeah. I've heard that too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on, on to the chat room. Yes, on to the chat room. Um, Blake Ryan mentioned that um, uh, they had a few NPCs aimed at player X, but player Y latches onto those NPCs. And that's not right. necessarily terrible. No. Uh, no. I mean, you've, uh, got, you've got player investment player in an cool. NPC. So anytime as, you get player investment in an NPC, I mean, obviously that's good. But As long as player X doesn't have a problem with it. Um, yeah. I bet I've seen this happen a lot of times when you end up with a group of players where one player is more um, outgoing and engaged in the game. That's what you got. And another player, another player is basically playing on the I'm here because my friends are here level and still having a good time with the game, but really isn't into their character as much. And so player player Y ends up grabbing onto the NPC and sometimes drags player X along for the ride in a way that works out well. As long as it's not a I wanted that NPC kind of thing, then it's you know, a rivalry, then it's not too much of a problem. Um, yeah. Or or if you have a player who just doesn't like NPCs. So but yeah, I that. agree. I agree. I think, I mean, unless you were like targeting a specific thing, like, hey, you know, this NPC knows the, you know, secret of your family's curse or whatever, and you were trying to like aim them at a particular player. Um, I think if, you know, I think if another player latches onto it, it's cool. Or, you know, there's enough love to go around. Maybe like, you know, yeah, like, you know, everybody can like them. Hmm. Turn them into a mascot, adopt them. There you that go. kind of thing. Here's, here's a good question for, for the for the group to toss around and maybe talk about in the after show. What do you do when you get the player who just doesn't like NPCs? Like just only wants to interact with the rest of the party and does not ever, like doesn't want NPCs, doesn't want them to join the party, doesn't want to go visit them, just wants nothing to do with NPCs in any game they play in. Something to think about. We'll talk about the, just, that might be an after show topic. So, yeah, maybe before we cross into the, uh, before we cross into the um, conversation corner. Okay. Maybe. All right. Uh, we also had a comment from uh, Lemming127 when talking about vulnerability. Um, they think that the vulnerability will sometimes require that the NPC is liked at least a little bit by the character. Um, I yeah, I actually, I, I mean, on a, uh, to that point, right? Like, I think that you have to start with, and this is, I think, what we were tra- saying earlier. You got to start with the general disposition of the character's friendly. Yeah. Right. And then. Um, in a scene because you got to like so what you can't do is you can't have the npc just like show up on the scene and then say something super vulnerable yeah right because because one um it's either awkward or it seems disingenuous right like the players won't be like oh they're opening up to us it'll be more like why are they opening up to us yeah right are they trying to lure us in we've all been hanging around the Um, coffee shop for like two hours just in the corner all by yourselves one 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 character walks up and gets a new coffee, and all of a sudden the barista is like laying out this 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 right. nugget of yeah. of vulnerable space, and you're like, where did that come from? Right, <laughs> like, man, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> this is a Wendy's, ma'am. Um, yeah, no, exactly. So vulnerability is like a thing that. Um, like there's a right time for it, uh, much like in life, right? There's like a right time to be vulnerable um, and it has to kind of precede there being like positive connection, like at the beginning of a positive connection. It's a great way to make a really good positive connection, yeah. but it has, there has to have been something there first. 
to to build on. Yeah. So I agree with Lemming. Like it's definitely like funny is a thing you can launch into cold, right? Like you could just be funny. Like the, like right at the drop of a hat, like first interaction with the NPC and the NPC is completely outrageous and funny, totally works. But if the first thing that comes out of their mouth is like, I'm often lonely and, you know, think of like, you know, and think of, you know, like bad thoughts when I'm home alone, like you're going to be like, what? Like it won't, like, it doesn't work that way. But if you um, fold that in a half hour, two or three visits later, um, that's a whole different, like that statement yeah. takes on a whole different, um, approach, yeah, like a whole different feel to it. Cool. I mean, in fact, in comedies, that kind of, um, lead with awkwardly vulnerable things is, you know, made to be awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. Like yeah. you do it in a comedy to make somebody feel like, Oh, you know, Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> and if your goal is to make the character awkward, um, and you know, um, and that's the uh, approach you want, to, you know, to hook the players by making something, somebody really awkward. Um, then, yeah, you could lead with vulnerability and just, you know, just make it funnily, you know, and awkward. There you go. Yeah, but like, am I the only, am I the okay. only one who like, you know, kisses their cats on the mouth? Uh, I, 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 I think you gotta be careful. You gotta be very careful with awkward though. Cause awkward can very quickly make players dislike a character. A lot. Oh yeah. Um, I yeah. think we've all, We've all watched that TV show where the character does something cringy and awkward. You're like, wow, I don't like this character anymore. Uh, yeah, is, uh, you really that's so cringy, like cringy, awkward is a thing you got to do with players yeah. um, that, you know, like I would never do cringy um, that kind of like that kind of cringy, awkward, um, like at a at a table of of random people that I'm running a game for, because you literally don't know where well, just, that um well, your, 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 your comment, why well, I sometimes have bad thoughts when I go home by myself. I'm like, that's, well, I mean, again, good. again, yeah. right. Like that's the kind of thing. If you don't know your players, like it come off really like, I mean, it could come off triggering. It could come off yep. um, insensitive. Like you have yeah. to know. And, and again, I was improving that line. So like, it I, just know. Yeah. It I realize out. that. No, no, but yeah. that's, but again, I mean, I think that emphasizes the point, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially if you're blurting these things out improv wise, when you do cringy and awkward, like you may uh, overreach the target. Yeah. Like you may be too cringy. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I like, I don't mind doing cringy, awkward kind of stuff when, when, when it's, um, when it's our personal groups. Cause I kind of know like what, yeah. I kind of know what jokes to lean on to make that work. But with strangers, like I, you know, yeah. funny is to me, funny is always your better bet. Funny and flattering, like yeah. those yes. two, those Much flattering, flattering works great. Yeah. All right. We also had uh, a few suggestions for a different uh, place for the NPC for Jerry for NBA instead of being a, uh, a tobacco shop. Uh, I was going very old school London, but I'm yeah. uh, but yeah. open it up for me. Give me yeah. some ideas. Yeah, so like a chocolatier, a kitchen supply store. Yeah, good. Good. Stuff like that. Oh. Well, any place with lots of knives is good. Uh, oh, sure. Plus, that'll, plus that'll, that'll kill your character, Bob. <laughs> well, did somebody say Somalia, right? Like, yeah. Yes. Do they mean like an actual Somalia? Or do they mean the? That was my. Uh, do they mean joke. the John Wick two Somalia? That was my in joke. Either one. Like, uh, Mr. Wick. But my, by the way, just as an aside, my love for that scene 
That's so good. First of all, so my love for that my 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 love for that whole montage. Yep. Right. Cool. Is um, I mean that montage is fantastic, right? The the part where he orders the suit. Uh-huh. Um, but the the but the Somalier scene where he's getting his weapons is just I love it so much. And I forget the actor's name, but I love the actor who it's plays nice. the Somalier. Yep. Yeah, that uh that was uh that was one of the um um Oh, in uh, Guardians, that was Saul. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I think he's actually is he the guy who played the Tick in the new TV series. Um, hmm. Peter Serafinowicz. Yes. Yep. It yep. suddenly hit me. Yep. Okay. So good. I well, I figured it would. I oh, figured you would. I forgot he was the voice of Darth Maul. Was he? Oh wow! In in, 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 in Clone Wars? Okay. No, in the. No, no, in the Phantom Menace because they oh. didn't want because because uh, oh, I can't think of the actor's name. Ray Park, Ray Park, Ray Park, because Ray Park's Ray Park's got like a very kind of high Syracuse accent. Kind of like just kind of. Oh no, that would totally not go. Yeah, far. yeah. So they brought yes, they brought him in there. Yeah. No. Uh, now I very much yeah. want to hear. That's like the tiny I want to hear the oh, Phantom you're, Menace you're, with you're, Ray Park doing all oh, the lines. You, you, you can find it. It's out there. It's out there. It, it is. It is unsettling so uh that's like that meme there you go chocolate sommelier there you go a chocolate sommelier yeah all right there you go that the cream came up with a good one i like that damn it clapping is what gets our attention i'm paying why did, attention why did Rob Please have to point that out to me <laughs> yeah all right so back to the topic at hand of uh, likable npcs and we hit our round table starting with question number one phil cool. Sure. I think this will be an obvious one. Question number one, in a game you have played or in a game you have run, name an NPC that you found to be likable. And what made them likable? I had a, I ran a game that was my D&D 3.5 game. Um, and I kind of had to redo it because I was playing it and we had a TPK situation um, in a game where the players were racing against time to stop the big bad from getting out. So by the time the new NPC, the new players got in, the big bad was out. And so they needed to get some information fairly quickly for their new characters. And uh, I just kind of introduced a NPC named Skipstone, who was a cobalt. He was basically a cobalt um, indentured servant to the blacksmith. And he was supposed to be just a one-off guide and information source to help them kind of find the blacksmith's missing children and everything like that. Um, he was upbeat. He was vulnerable. He was a little naive. Uh, he was a really good foil for the rest of the party. And they loved him and dragged him along to the point where by the end of the campaign, he was like a level 14 fighter. Um, wow. And he was almost, he was almost unkillable. I used to roll my dice in for the players. And the running joke was, we're going to have Skipstone hold the door. Um, at one point, they did something silly like they, they went off plot and angered a cave, a cave full of trolls. They were like level four. So they should not have been dealing with a troll, let alone a cave full of trolls and they handed Skipstone his club and his shield and he had to watch the back end and I could not hit him. I wasn't trying to kill him, but he held three trolls off by himself until the party could pull the first one down and kind of get their wits about him and, and get him out of there. And that became their running joke, but they loved him. They dragged him along. He became one of the party members after that. Um, and, uh, but I wanted him to be likable so that when he was giving them information initially, that they would like him, listen to him, um, kind of follow him to kind of get the party back into the main campaign again. Um, 
and it worked. Um, he was he was very upbeat. He kind of believed that the entire party were heroes. Your flattery thing, Phil. Um, and kind of when they when they got him away from the blacksmith, um, they they found him to be nice and friendly and really didn't have much knew nothing of the outside world. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and for some reason, the paladin adopted him, and the two of them just became sidekicks for a while. It just worked. It was not something I was planning, but um, I tried to make him likable for a one-off, and he ended up being the mascot for the party and unkillable. Um, it just was hilarious to watch them. Like some of their plans were things like, okay, X, Y, Z, and we put Skipstone here to hold the door. And I couldn't get through a door if he was in the door. So um, he had plot immunity, but it was all, but it was completely random. How about you, Bob? Uh, I'm old. I cannot brain lately. Uh, I racked my brain for NPCs and when I saw the one that the Phil had, I'm like, okay, cool. That one was good. But I'm like, <laughs> like I cannot think of one damn NPC that I, that, that should have been memorable from low these many campaigns that I've played. And I'm like, what the hell, man, that <laughs> I should be able to think of one. I got none. I mean, certainly you must've like love and like, there must be a couple of NPCs that, uh, I know they're out there. Have... Can I think of them? Nah, not a, Friggin what about it? What about NPCs for games you were in? No, that's what I mean. Games I was in. There should be numerous ones that I was like, oh, I love that character. Like, I got nothing. What about Mama Galinka? There you How go, Mama, Mama Galinka. Galinka. She was great. She was like the mother hen to the uh, to the party in uh, in Eberron, um, and that was uh, and that was even more so uh, interesting because I was the add-on character. I joined that campaign after it had been running for a while and she took me under her wing and was like, yeah, you're part of the family. Of course she was an orc. So I was an orc. So that fit, but it was, uh, yeah, she was great. She was very, uh, very mothering, very maternal. Um, and then she had the mysterious, sarcastic. Like, sarcastic, but she had the mysterious, uh, the mysterious side to her. And all of a sudden she's like, yeah, I'm going to cast this big magic spell to protect the neighborhood. I'm like, Oh, I did not know you could do that. <laughs> Surprise. Oh. What's, what's funny is she was a background character until you came in. She'd been in a couple other adventures, but was basically just, oh, she's the local. She was actually the mother of several characters that we were interacting with on a regular basis. Uh -huh. And we would bump into her once in a while for one sentence. And when you joined, all of a sudden she became a major NPC for us. And, well, there you uh, go. I was the insane. I had a lot of fun interacting with her. I, I <laughs> love that. I love that. I love that. Um, so I don't, I don't mind engineering NPCs to be likable, um, but I really love when um, it happens spontaneously, like when you just kind of, like you start playing an NPC and then all of a sudden people are like, oh my God, this NPC, they're hilarious, like, or whatever, like, oh, I love this NPC. I, I love when it happens spontaneously. Yeah, very cool. Tell us about yours, Phil. How about you, Phil? Uh, yeah, mine is, um, mine is from our Tales from the Loop game. Um, your... Um, three uh junior detectives had a good friend um and hacker uh leah uh she was um she was kind of part of she was part of the group but she was clearly like you guys were the pcs and did pc stuff leah yeah. did support stuff like look up stuff on the computer and and things like that um like she didn't really go on too many investigations with you um but what i really liked about leah was um I really, so the characters had this great banter 
And we had a lot of scenes like we like I think in almost every either every session or at least once every mystery, there was lunchtime Ooh. in school where the players would be sitting at lunchtime arguing about stuff. Um, and Leah was um, Leah was fun to play because I inserted her at the lunch table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was fun and it was a fun character because um, because Leah had a crush on Bob's character because Bob was the rocker, yep. but she was way more compatible with Tony's character. Yeah. And I think we all said that later on somewhere between middle school and high school, she will have dated Tony's character yep. that wow. she's in the phase right now where she's dating Bob's character because Bob's character is cool, but she's going to realize later that she has way more in common um, with Tony's character. And I just had a, we had like a lot of fun with scenes. Like there was one particular adventure we did with um, our friends, the machines, yep. which is the transformers um, adventure. That's in the um, second mystery book. And there is an argument between Tony and uh, Tony's character and Leah about the, our friends, the machines episodes that Tony and I just like ad libbed yep. and made up as we were like, like naming episodes and episode numbers and Characters. arguing like, did, right. Did you even, were you even watching the episode? Right. Like yep. Leah's like making fun of Tony. Like, so um, good. like it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun banter, but then also there was like this whole thing about the um, winter dance and is Bob going to ask her to the winter dance and like, um, it was great. And she also had a connection to um, Leah also had a connection to Glenn's character because Glenn's character was the other girl in the, in the little um, group. So she was like, she fit really well. Like she was dating, she was boyfriend and girlfriend with Bob. She was super close and nerdy with Tony. And then um, she had like the two girls in middle school connection um, with Glenn's character. So like, she just, she was really fun and fit really well into uh, the game and allowed me to introduce additional um, clues and stuff or an occasional like Ooh. perspective, you know, change um, by having Leah ask the right questions. Yep. She was fun. I dug her. Yes. I forget I, when she gets to things from the flood, it's not fun. Well, that that <laughs> whole campaign okay. just didn't, didn't it's so well. super dark. I want to play it because I really want to finish it, but man, we're going to need a few more years to pass when like things are fun in the world again and then we yeah. could go back and play it because it was such a gut punch Ooh. yeah anyway take us into our next question jer all right in a game you've played a run name an npc that should have been likable but you wound up not liking um or the players ended up not liking them and what about them made them not likable uh, phil why don't you Bob? start uh you know i was thinking about this i had actually trouble racking my brain about this um, but in uh, Chris's Dungeon World game, there was this rival crew, and I forget the guy's name, but he was like the Southern gentleman kind of um, kind of guy. And I think we were supposed to like all be friends because like we were hanging out at the tavern and stuff. But like I just never, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't dislike the guy because I mean, court, like I would have just killed him. Um, <laughs> like yeah. my character wasn't subtle. Like we would have gotten into a fight if I disliked him, but I just never liked them. Like, I don't know. Like when they would show up, I'd be like, Oh, Hey, you know, See, unless, I like you know, unless guys. I, what's that? I enjoyed that party. I, I, I enjoyed the, the friendly rivalry about, you know, who's going to get the good stuff out of the dungeon. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't. Well, you know what it was. There was nothing about. Um, um, why can't I think of his name? Um, yeah. Anyway. No, no, no. My character's name. Oh, Cor. Uh, uh, Cor. Yeah, Corin. 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 Definitely. A I knew. I knew it was close. <laughs> yeah. The the I, and I think the problem was that um, everybody else took dungeoneering lightly. Corin didn't. Like. Cor- for Corin, going into the dungeon was business. Like, you go into the dungeon to come back with treasure, not for adventure, not for anything else. Corin's fun part was, you know, Corin didn't save any of his gold. Like, as soon as he got back into town, he turned it into, like, a five-day party until he ran out of money and then was like, we got to get back to the dungeon and do some clearing. Yep. So I think where there was, like, a friendly rivalry, Corin was just like, fuck these guys like they're taking money from my like they're taking money yeah. from my satchel like and especially in chris's game because that game there were consequences for um not going on certain quests mm-hmm. like if like he'd present you with two or three choices and if you didn't take one of them you'd find out later somebody went and took that that one like one the other party the went down that thing turning. and cleaned it out yep the world kept you'd turning. find out in the tavern so you didn't waste your time but you'd be like, you you know, you get to the tavern, they'd be like, oh, yeah, we took the Western Passage, made a fortune. You'd be like, fuck those guys. It was great because it was realistic, right? It yeah. was realistic. Like, when you didn't take certain choices, things happened. And also, that fucker, Chris, um, used to use that same, t- that same setting at conventions. And sometimes convention people would, uh, convention parties would go through sections that we hadn't explored yet. Yep. You just find out like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been picked clean now. You'd be like, what? And you find out it's like some fucking convention group like blew through it as a one shot. Motherfucker. (laughs) Didn't somebody waste our friend, our friends, the kobolds that that we had made an arrangement with? We brought them candy and stuff and they let us through their territory. I think so. That I I would I would have been pissed. I I would have murdered that party if we found them. (laughs) Um, The kobolds, the kobolds were very misunderstood and all they really wanted was candy and you could get through their territory without having to fight them. Yep. Okay. Oh, that's right. The mushroom cave. Yeah. The mushroom cave. Very <laughs> Literally. Sorry about that. I didn't hit the... Ah, the airy peaks. Yeah. Good times. All right. Once again, Jerry. I, I racked my brain. So Jerry, go ahead. <laughs> I've got two. So that's okay. The first will be um, from the fantasy trip game. I played online as a player. The GM introduced a character called Garrowin the Elf. Um, from what I could tell, the GM intended her to be some sort of mentor and quest giver. Uh, she was very uh, male gaze. I mean, she was the the attractive, sexy, elven spellcaster princess character. Um, she kind of came into our party. We met her and her bodyguard. And, and half the party like fell head over heels in love with her. And she was kind of flirting with people and so on. Um, but she had mind powers and she used her powers to invade people's minds. So we'd be having a conversation about her and all of a sudden she'd come over and talk to us. Oh, well, I was reading your mind while you were doing this. And she acted superior because she was an elven princess and talked down to everybody, um, often took our resources without asking and used her bodyguard to bully the party. And, um, to the point where she became my character's arch nemesis. And I swore that by the end of that campaign, I would kill her. Um, and this confused the GM until I explained, like, yeah, you can't go into people's minds and mess with things. Uh, she, at one point, like, one of the, one, 
he thought he was using her to kind of help the party go in the right direction. So she had he had her actually go into somebody's mind and try to change their opinion on something using her powers. Yeah, yeah. Um, he lo- he did he didn't get it uh, until after I talked to him about it. Um, he actually had her die off screen so that I so that I would stop trying to lead the party to kill her because um, she left the party and like after every mission, I'm like, do we know where heroin is? Good, I'm heading in that direction. And because I was kind of the party leader, they would follow me and he eventually just killed her off so that we didn't have to deal with him. Um, and then there's a whole secondary thing with what happened when we introduced her, her, her sister and everything. Um, but it just went very wrong. And that GM did that multiple times where he introduced a character that he thought would be really cool. And it didn't, like we had a, a character that he introduced, uh, we had a player in the party and she was playing an elf who had escaped from um, basically sexual slavery. So her character had a lot of like personal tragic issues and things like that and played very well. And he introduced basically Captain Jack Sparrow, who just kept going around like hitting on anything and everybody. And he thought, oh, everybody likes Captain Jack Sparrow, which is number one, not true, um, and could not understand why. And eventually we killed him. The NPC was kept, kept harassing them. We just dragged him into a corner and stabbed him multiple times with swords because he wouldn't leave our party alone. Um, and the GM was confused. We had several talks about this. It just didn't work out well. Um, I ran a game where it blew up in my face. Um, I had a bunch of players, friends of mine, um, who I'd slowly gotten to know over the course uh, of a year's worth of gaming. And um, one of the players had dropped once that, oh, he never played, he never got a chance to play a character with a romantic interest. He was kind of quiet and difficult to do deal with, but I know he liked anime, so I created basically an anime-type character um, to be an interesting romantic encounter. And the rest of the party adopted her immediately. She was in the party for a while and kind of paired off with him a couple times in conversations and so on. And I misread it entirely where she finally like exposed her vulnerability and the fact that she was having trouble. Her background was tied into his, that she was having some questions and all that. And I didn't realize that I had annoyed him so much with her that he tried to convince her to go kill herself to get her out of the party. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um She's basically like, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm lost in everything. He's like, well, you know, you could always just, uh, you know, if, you, if life is so bad, you can always kill yourself and walked away. Um, and that was bad. Like, for many, many, many reasons, uh, yeah. that was bad. Um, we, we had, like, an intervention in the party. The, the rest of the party helped her. But we had a long talk with him as well, like, what's going on here? And the first thing is, like, oh, I can't stand this character at all. I can't believe, like, the entire time she's been in the party, I've been trying to get her out, but everybody else loves her, so I didn't want to get rid of her. But, you know... You finally gave me a chance to get rid of her, so I took it. I'm like, <laughs> so that was, and we, we 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 had a lot of talks about things like player safety and therapy and yeah, you know, yeah, things yeah. We're not gonna talk about. We didn't have any safety tools back then. No, um, no, no. I mean, we just it, it, yeah, this yeah, it was it went very badly. But it was it was all you know. To be honest, it was all on me not paying attention to the players' reactions because I should have seen that coming. I should have watched the way he reacted. He's a very quiet person, but I should have seen that I was pushing that npc on him where i should have just and the rest of the party liked having her in the party she stayed with the party by the way till the end she just ended up being somebody else's sidekick for a while um but it was just like that was that was dark and his character just he was playing he and he himself was going through some depression and things like that in his real life and and this character just didn't work out well I mean, and, uh, this is that case for bleed right this is the uh, unintentional like this yeah. is the unintentional bleed in and I, I, learned, I, was, I learned a lot from that about things like, hey, you know what? Are you interested in We didn't have Spark back then. Is this something you're interested in or not? You had to ask that question because yeah. I, I flubbed it. So I um 
I will say that, you know, having been a much older gamer as you and I and Bob are, that the um, the original X card was, whoa, <laughs> that's it. Like, yeah, you'd be playing in the game. So people like, whoa, that was, a, that was our safety tool. Yeah. We didn't even realize was, it was a safety yeah. tool. We were just like, yeah. what are you doing? And that was the only yeah. safety tool. What the yeah. hell, man? That would yeah. be the other like. Yeah, that's like that's that's what we had back in the day. That and just you know, like people rage quitting games. Um, Dude, luckily, luckily we were all friends, and this was this was the game I think I mentioned before where there were games that that the first two hours of the game were just everybody kind of having like a roundtable therapy session anyway, just kind of like this was the safe place to sit and talk about your feelings and problems. Uh So they were there for this other player, luckily, but it just oh. I, I had mean, to stop the game. Yeah, I, yeah. I was, That's ex- mm-hmm. I mean, stop the game is exactly the yeah. thing you uh that you do right there, right? Like just stop the game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a learning a learning tool. So yeah, yeah. yeah. We know better now. We know it's better a learning now. moment, all right. Yep. All right. Well, all right, we question three. Jump into question three here, which is everybody's favorite. What is your secret sauce for making likable NPCs? Phil. Uh, I'm, and I think this is just me, right? Cause I just, I like, um, it's my, it's my good go-to is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, um, I, I love when NPCs, um, I, I, first of all, I like when NPCs are real, right? Cause NPCs often like when you don't, when you don't get to invest a lot in NPCs, they become very, um, like monochromatic. Right. Like if, if, you know, if all you ever do is get information from this NPC, right. Then it's just like, it's an information dispenser with a, you know, with a slight personality kind of thing. So like when I get a chance to really dig into a, like to be an NPC, um, then I like, I go for vulnerable because I find that um, being genuinely vulnerable to another player often we'll get some level of sympathy. And I don't mean that in a Machiavellian sort of way. I just find that it's like a really, like they turn out to be like really good emotional beats Um, in a game. They just turn out to have like a really good, um, they'll make a good connection um, done in the right pacing. It'll take something that was like really action paced and slow it down or something that was really slapsticky and, um, you know, uh, take a moment to reflect that kind of thing. So uh, vulnerable is a um, vulnerable is definitely a go-to for me. Um, and I like it. I like drama and role play. I like drama and games and I like, and I like, you know, I like acting. So, um, and I like acting, you know, like when I get to act, I like to do vulnerability. Yeah. So it's my secret sauce. What about you, Jer? Uh First of all, I will say, I also like that, but I'll take a different one. Um, I like to have interactive and uh, I like having NPCs who give the players a chance talk about their characters, share something cool. Uh, they get up on their soapbox um, and kind of do their thing and, and, and show more about their character and what makes their character special to them. Um, and I think that works really well with a lot of things. Uh, I just, I like to have NPCs that that's kind of where Skipstone, I think, kind of hit his niche was that by being naive and needing the party that, um, that made, that, that made him, somebody they could all talk to and interact with because he was naive and kept asking questions. Each of them got a chance to kind of instruct him on what they thought of the world and where they were going, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about the, the, the vulnerability thing though. And this is because we talked about this earlier. This is my favorite place to jump in. I like the vulnerability approach uh, with one of my recent groups, the one I ran with about three years ago. Um, 
it seemed like they only went after the utilitarian NPCs. Like vulnerable NPCs turned them off. And um, I'm not really sure what, what, what made that happen, but they pretty much only took NPCs that brought something active to the party. I'll ask the, they, I'll ask the question. Did yeah. they feel safe? Not the players. Did the characters feel safe? I believe so. Okay. Because Be- I, because I made a big, big, I made a big push towards um, not having NPCs betray them. Sure, but I mean, also, like, was it was yeah. the setting like like was the setting like intense or relentless? Like, I guess here's my theory, right? Without knowing yeah. any other details, yeah. right? Um, you become more interested in things that are utilitarian when you don't feel like you can slow down, right? Uh, like, like if you think you're constantly being hounded by bad guys, and and you know, good on you for not having yeah. um, NPC betrayals because that's to me like a pretty yeah. triggering. It's actually less triggering from an NPC, but still, still makes me kind of squick. But if like I, but if I feel like we are like under constant attack, or like we have like some, um, we're time crunched to get a thing done or whatever, then I, you know, I start looking at NPCs as, um, what do you bring to the party rather than you know, oh, let me have this moment to slow down and have this like cool chat with you or whatever. Um, this like was, this, this was this was multiple campaigns, everything from. Uh, D&D to Savage Worlds to Marvel superheroes to mm. Teenage Mutant Teenage Space masks. Um, and, and they just, they, like, in masks, they they didn't interact with anybody except for each other. Um, well, that, unless, that, that, unless, uh, unless that character brings something. Um, that's what I said. I, I, and I have one player that I played with for about six years that I began to realize, like, that player only interacted with the players. That would only that's interact with the NPC yeah. when they absolutely had mm. to. Yeah, if they had to interact, and as soon as they get away from the NPC, they, they they went away. And not just the games that I was running, and all the games we would rotate GMs a little bit too. Um, but that party in general, a couple of them would talk to. We had one who did talk to like every NPC, but about half the party really, um, when they weren't talking about their characters, which was okay, that was part of the thing. They didn't really want to interact with NPCs. Like they wanted to do the story and the mission. And even when we did downtimes or bottle episodes or flashbacks or story stuff, they would, if they could find another player character, that's who they went to a dealt with. And in, regardless of who the GM was, hmm. um, I'm not sure why. Maybe, <laughs> I mean, was, maybe they, maybe just, they just, just didn't just like me, acting. Yeah, I mean, it could be. If it was just me, I would say, well, I just, I was bad at doing the NPCs, which could very well be the case, but they just weren't, it just didn't, didn't, didn't hook with them. Um, hmm. So it was something I had to think about. So that's that's why like I like the vulnerable NPCs, but uh, it didn't work. Uh, and then years ago, we also had the problem of you give a vulnerable NPCs, and we had players who were like, "Ah, a weakness I can exploit." And that's never going to be good. Yeah, that that means uh, your that means your characters aren't good. <laughs> no, that means your characters. Aren't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that I was mean, back. That was that was back when the players were playing evil characters. Not that we don't we don't want to do that anymore because that was uh, we don't give bad. vulnerable we don't give vulnerable NPCs to to evil characters. That's a exploitable. Yeah. Um, either that or do it as a false flag that the character appears to be vulnerable but is really, um, you know, really just you know lure, like you know drawing them in for their own double cross. And we don't play with evil players anymore. So it's a big You know, I'm just not a guy who um, I'm just like the closest I think we came last time to an evil campaign was Corporation, where we were definitely not the good guys. Yeah. 
No, I, I'm pretty sure we weren't. I'm, I'm sure we weren't the good guys. No. Like, um, yeah. and that's like the last time. And like, for as much as I had fun playing that game and I, and I liked a lot of things about it, I, I'm definitely in a place right now where like, I can't play that game. Like yeah, just that, that game, like I can't play evil right now. Like it's not like, it's not working for me. Yeah, I, I don't like to play evil characters anymore. I don't like to run games for evil characters anymore. Yep. I don't really find it. Uh, and, and, and evil players, same thing. You get the players that's like, you know what, that, that's just not fun. You know, go, go find some Gragnar group to play with. You'll have a good time there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. Thing. I just, I'm with you. I just don't like, um, I, I just, I don't know. I'm definitely in a place where straight up evil is not appealing to me. Like the world is terrible enough. I don't need to, I don't need to fantasy being more terrible in, in a world. I, I need to do the exact opposite. I need my, I need my role playing to be positive and uplifting. Yeah. And that's just a me thing right now. Right. Like, I don't know, maybe 10 years from now, if the world's a better place, I'll, you know, dabble in playing something evil, but I like for the right now, don't think yeah. that's going to happen. Same. I agree. I agree. So that was a look at making likable NPCs. And we hope next time you make an NPC that your players like, this advice will be helpful. Right. Yeah, indeed, indeed. We hope, um, yeah, we hope that, um, yeah, you're going to, you know, get something out of this when you want to make a likable, make a likable NPC. Cool. So we're going to check in one more time with the chat room before we head off to the conversation corner. And uh, I know Andy had a good one in here Um Oh, uh, where is it? Oh, um, I had it for a second. Uh, a bad guy that was too likable. Oh. He told the group that he was the big, big, the big, the misdirected mark. Word scramble. He literally told the group he was the big bad after a bunch <laughs> of subtle stuff, and they didn't believe him because they saw him buying a good luck charm for his upcoming baby. So he's obviously a good dad. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm the bad guy. He's oh, super charming come on. and loved strong women and you know. But yeah, he was uh he was he was uh the big bad guy with an evil plot. So that's funny. I mean that's I mean that's one way to I mean listen, we we talked about making likable NPCs. We didn't have to we didn't, we didn't necessarily say they were good. Yeah. Um Everything that we just put in there is totally what works when you want to um, when you want to lure a, you know someone into a false sense of security. Use use those powers um, with care. Yes, yes, uh, we've uh, we've seen that <laughs> yes. many times. Uh, I, I've I've actually had a problem where we had a we had the the main villain of the first adventure of my fusion fantasy game. And one of my players, just however I portrayed the villain, she decided that that was her crush and that was her lust. And that was the character she was going to be interacting with as her main love interest for the rest of the campaign. And they eventually got married and raised kids. So, um, but it was, it was, it threw my entire like campaign arc off for a little while, which was fine because we all had a good time playing it. But you never know. I mean, and I, to this day, I don't know what it was that attracted her to him. I mean, I announced to I announced to Chris that my character was going to fall in love with the Queen, queen of Horfrost and Woe, a dead god, mm-hmm. and was like, and we'll do whatever he can to like win her, you know, win her affection. Chris is like, okay, yeah, <laughs> that worked out. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Yeah, yeah, good times. Uh, 
hell of a way good. to hell of a way to go around not killing Tony. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anything to keep from killing another player character. Correct. Oh, and the character too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Kidding. I love Tony. Kidding. We need Tony at the table. He's the rainmaker for a reason. That's right. Oh man, was he the rainmaker this past weekend? Oh. <laughs> Just. Well, you know what? Why don't we jump in the conversation corner? Let's like jump into the up. conversation. Let's just do that. Where's my... All right. So we had uh, we had a, an NBA session, which was really good. Um, that uh, was a specify good Specify what that means. What's that? We specify that we were not playing basketball. Yeah. Oh, I know. It says NBA. Yes. Yeah, nice black we're, nerds. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're nerds. Nice NBA black agents, yes. We're nerds. We're nerds. NBA means nice black agents. And, uh, <laughs> and Phil did a nice job of, of building up the tension to uh, to the the start of the campaign. Um, it's going to be much more interesting once we see the vampire um, like in 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 person up close and stuff starts to go down. We we, we had a, an interesting start, but we still didn't actually see the vampire. No, you're in the um, you're in the um, the like in aliens terms. Yeah, you've arrived at the colony. Yep, and you're like, where are the colonists? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, oh, look at like, this! Like that's where you are in the story, right? Like everything's messed up. Like where's the colonists? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was good. Um, I hunt was I <laughs> hunt was glorious. Because Tony just just dropped this thing out of the blue. Phil can Phil can explain it better than I can, but it was just like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and it totally worked. It, it was it was hilarious. They they needed to make contact with this uh, mobster vampire, and they wound up um, they wound up getting in the door to talk to the vampire. Chris got everybody through the door to talk to the vampire, and I wasn't sure like how they were going to pull this off. And Tony's like, and it's great because Tony comes from a big Italian family and I come from an Italian family. So Tony's just like, he's like, he's like, don't you know me? He's like, I'm from, you know, he's like, like your aunt in the Hamptons, right? And he like starts name dropping. And I'm like, you need to make a grifter role for this. Like, I'm going to need to, like, if you're bluffing your way through this, I'm going to need you to make some roles. Yeah. So he does. Yeah. And he convinces this vampire that they're related through some aunt. And so he like, then like, he then's like, look, we need like, look, you're, you know, this other vampire is going to put a hit on you and winds up getting this vampire to conspire with the players to help them uh, kill this vampire. And I made him roll. Like I just, I was like, you're gonna have to roll grifter a few times here. And he made the rolls and I was like, okay, this is working. Like, (laughs) like keep going. It was a glorious bluff and it worked like a champ and it was so good. It was oh. pretty funny, and it, yep. and it was it was uh, it was classic Tony. Like oh, yeah. no one knew what was happening. I don't think Tony knew what was happening until he launched right into his character. Yep. And then I was like, uh, "You got to make some rolls here. Like I love what you're putting out here, but you got to see if this is going to fly or not." Mm-hmm. It would have been funny if it hadn't flied. If it didn't fly, but it totally flew. Yep. So we would have been scrambling. But so that was the gaming for this past couple of weeks. It was uh, funny. Um, I finished up season one of the new Kung Fu, which is an interesting story. Um, I, I think they did a nice job. Again, this is the CW, which, um, you know, all the, all the whiny man babies would be like, it's so woke. Um, 
they they've got all kinds of great stories about you know black lives matter and strong powerful women and and there's a there's a storyline about you know uh, um about assault and and you know whether or not you should come forward and 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 risk you know all the negative press to try and put somebody you know put somebody behind bars and like all of this like all of these these relevant stories woven into this uh into this mythology of the show um super well done um they went uh, they leaned a little bit more into the um mysticism and uh and uh and, and asian magic than uh the original kung fu like the original kung fu was pretty grounded other than you know the martial arts and and maybe you know conversations about chi and you know stuff but chi was always just you know like the conversation it wasn't like an actual mystical force or anything like that um but good show i i, I enjoyed it looking forward to season two um uh, finally started watching season two of star girl which uh starts out with a nice uh with a nice opening couple of episodes um had a big problem with the friggin how far into it are you two episodes me too. That's all I've been to so far. Yeah. I had a huge problem with episode two on the CW's player on the on the website or, or through the app on my mm -hmm. on my smartphone or a smart TV. Um, it got like two thirds of the way through the episode, went to a commercial break, and then played the same commercial over and over and over. By the fourth time, I was like, something is wrong, yeah. and I'm like, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. So I stopped the episode, went back out to the menu came back in and said, yes, I want to resume from where I left off. And it resumed like a third of the way into the episode instead of two thirds of the way into the episode. So I had to fast forward up to the commercials, watch all the commercials again for that break, then fast forward. And then I got to that spot where it looped and it looped a different commercial. And I backed, finally got it to go through. It looped a commercial like twice and then started to replay the episode again. And I was like, okay, fine. I said, but if it had done it one more time, I, was I like, had that happen a few times last season. I was pissed. Yeah, I was like, I want to get this sh this episode done so I can go back and get started on the show. Um, of course, watching What If, looking forward to tomorrow's episode because tomorrow's episode we get Killmonger. Spoiler alert! Yeah. It's in the ads. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, of course, day after that, we get another Lower Decks, which is going to be glorious. Uh -huh. um, as uh, Jerry mentioned, we saw Shang Chi. Shang Chi. Um, my problem with Shang-Chi was um, we were hoping to get like a smaller crowd with a little more space. And I completely <laughs> yeah. misread the interface on uh, Fandango. And I don't know why. I, 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 well, it's been like probably a year and two years since I bought a ticket on Fandango. Um, but I mistook the, the X's for seats that were unavailable for reasons. They were actually seats that were unavailable because they were sold. So I bought a ticket right next to another human being. And then I was sitting in the theater and I was eating snacks. And then the people started to come in and I'm like, I'm going to get a few more snacks in me quick before they sit down. So I'm not sitting here with my mask off with strangers who don't have masks on. So I had a tiny little moment of anxiety, but overall it was pretty good. And of course the movie was phenomenal. Enjoyed the hell out of it. Good stuff. Oh, that movie. So oh, good. So good. Very, very good. And the cinematography, yep. again, you know, like everything, just super well done. Um, mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier plumbing issues. Uh, unfortunately, um, there is a problem with the one bath, the big bathroom. Um, the previous owner had uh, um, taken care of supposedly a problem with the tub drain leaking and dripping out, of course, the condo below me. Um, 
And supposedly, according to the owner of the condo downstairs, um, they fixed it once and then it started leaking again. And the plumbers that they had come in to take a look at it um, said that they kind of fixed it half-assed. They didn't really fix it, fix it. Um, so she's all, you know, like, this is the problem. We know exactly what it is. You just got to fix it. The problem is, is that when they told me that there was a problem, I stopped using that bathroom altogether. So I wasn't using it all. And that was like a week. And then she told me that it was the tub drain. And I'm like, oh, if it's the tub drain, I just won't shower in there. I won't use the tub. So I went back to using the bathroom again. And then she texted me and said, it's dripping again. And I went, well, it's not the tub then because I haven't used the tub. I've only been using the toilet, which is mm. worse because if it's the soil pipe, then that's like even nastier water than. Yes, it is. And I'm like, ugh. And of course, it's all got to be accessed from downstairs because you can't get to that stuff from upstairs. Right. You've got to go through the ceiling of downstairs to get at that stuff. And I'm like, Ugh. So the plumbers are going to be here tomorrow to do a whole bunch of stuff for me, including take a look at that. Um, and I told her, I said, I'm going to get up, I'm going to get it fixed. Like if I had known if the if the previous owner had even mentioned, keep an eye on this because there was a problem, I would have had it fixed ASAP right when I took ownership and it would be done. Um, but it's not. So I told her, I'll get it done. I said, and when they tear open your ceiling to fix it, I'll pay to have the ceiling fixed too. Like, don't worry about it. I'm going to cover the whole thing and we won't have to worry about it. But, um, it's just, you know, it's a thing. So, and because it's a yeah. thing, I got to deal with it. Um, uh -huh. and of course, slow progress in unpacking. Cause I keep going back and forth between different things instead of like picking one, like one room and being like, I'm going to get this done. Like, no, I haven't. I've been bouncing around this to that to this to that to that. I still haven't finished cleaning out all the drawers to lay down contact paper, to put stuff in drawers, to empty all the, all the kitchen boxes out. Um, I haven't unpacked my box of, of new pots and pans, um, and partly because I don't know where I'm going to put them. Right now, the few pots and pans that I like, I have my cast iron skillet and my, and my non-cast iron skillet. Right now, they're sitting on the stove because... I don't know where to do, I don't know what to do with them. There's no place, so I'm going to start looking because I got a big empty space above the the one shelf where I think I'm going to buy Ooh. one of those um, pan hangers. You know, the big strip with just sure, a bunch of hooks sure. on it, and hang all my pans there. Um, but I got to do something because I don't know where to put the stuff. But, uh, yeah, I did a lot of work when I moved into my apartment because I have uh, such a small kitchen. I had um, I had mapped like mapped out where everything yeah, in my you kitchen. had to you had to you had to do some work especially with a one-ass kitchen you had to be very specific mm -hmm. about how you laid it out yeah i have uh called, i have optimized that kitchen like i don't know how the other people i don't know how the other people have uh had it laid out but i know it's correct yeah like yeah. i don't know what they did but i, I know, know what they did right but now. i did it right yeah luckily yeah. mine mine is like a like a three or four ass kitchen like you could have a couple people working in there at least so um yeah but yeah so that's enough for me. Jerry, what about you? Well, I, I finished season two of Discovery, Star Trek. Liked it a lot. Uh, and then got started on season three. So um, I'm only two episodes in. And it is all over the place, which is kind of what I've begun to realize from all the discos, which is that the season, the new season starts with them being all over the place. And then they get into the plot. So it's been really interesting to see stuff. It was neat to see another version of Morn's race, though, show up, which was kind of cool. Uh -huh. Um Night's Blast Agents was fun. I really enjoyed it uh, a lot. Uh, just the the character building, the interaction, the 
dark and kind of threatening adventure as we go through. We're just you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it just ain't dropping. It just keeps getting the tension got worse and worse, which is always my favorite part about playing those kinds of games. I loved yeah. it. Um, we got to play uh, Basin with uh, GM Glenn Silo this weekend, which is the uh, Scandinavian horror horror story using the uh, uh, Tales from the Loop engine. And um, it's my first time playing a campaign using that engine. We've been having a really good time with it. We've got an interesting group of characters um, who are all disturbing. And it's kind of fun because we shared our character secrets with each other. So our characters, our characters do not know each other's secrets, but the players do. And that allows us to have very messy drama because we can now play off of um, each other's characteristics. That one of the players is actually um, masquerading as a different kind of character. And so every time they do something uh, as their as their alternate character, we can play off of it. It just it makes for some a lot of fun. So there's a lot of interpersonal drama between the players and so on. And then you toss into that the fact that we're investigating you know horrible Scandinavian monsters makes it even more interesting. Um, saw Lower Decks last week. I liked. I, I I'm just loving Lower Decks. I am loving Lower Decks so much. Um, it's so, so much good. good stuff. So much good and and. and uh, talk about character building shows. They're, they, they've made you know in in the few episodes they've got. I just love those characters all the way around. Um, I watched Kate, the new action movie on Netflix, and I really enjoyed it. It was not amazing, but it was just it was what I wanted to see going into it. If you're a fan of John Wick style action revenge movies, um, it's it's going to do your thing. It's lots of creative fight sequences, um, and uh, you're not going to be surprised by almost anything except what they use to fight with but the plot is very very by the books but that's okay it's a lot of fun um violent as hell and very dark and kind of depressing in a action you know it's 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 not as lighthearted as the jarmic movies are um and that that should say something so um and lastly on sunday we did our our bi-weekly lego build night here at the house so i've been having a chance to sit with my friends and we basically sit there for four to six hours building Legos or whatever people want to bring. If they want to bring, uh, you know, Warhammer minis to assemble, we just kind of sit on my table, uh, build stuff, eat bad food, chat and talk talk uh, geeky stuff, which is just a nice way to, to unwind. It's giving me a chance to kind of dig into some of the big Lego sets that are going to take me, you know, eight, 10 hours to put together, like some of the buildings. So it's been fun. So it's been cool. So I got a chance to kind of unwind this week. That's Bill? nice. Um, yeah, let's see. So I did a lot of the stuff you guys did, right? Um, what if Lower Decks uh, talked about Ihan Chang-Chi, which was, oh, so good. Um, I thoroughly, oh God, that movie was just fantastic. I loved it all around. Um, and not a wasted character. No. Um, no spoilers, but I was super, um, I was super pleased to see that Aquafina wasn't just a, a throwaway. Like they actually like did something, like it wasn't just like comedic sidekick and because yeah. like when you first see like, you know, from the previews, when you see the bus scene, you're like, ah, kind of like, you know, funny yeah. sidekick thing. But they actually did like a really good job. Yes. Um, it, and, and at the end, I was like, again, no spoilers. Yeah. Like when we get to the end. I was like, yes, like, yes. like good. I don't want to say any more because it's, it's too new. But yes, I'll, I'll just she, she OK. She's the character that I was like, I don't like this character when they first brought her in. And the first seat or two she's in, I'm like, eh. and then nope. It's all character growth. I'm like, oh, you suckered me in. I love it. Yep, she has. They an also did a, arc. 
Yeah. 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 They also do a couple of other things that are just really brilliant yeah. oh, in that episode. Very much so. Very a, much so. a fantastic callback to Iron Man 3 and those things. Yep. Um, so I did that. Um, I played a little bit of Minecraft, but my concentration thing is making it really hard um, to to get in deep into Minecraft. Like I was just messing around with it the other night, kind of working on a house. Um, I've been watching She-Ra. I'm uh, into season, I think, four now. Um, I think season four of She-Ra uh, going well. Uh, I've 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 now met Double Trouble. Um, oh yeah, Ooh. Double Trouble and uh, Queen and Queen Glimmer. Um, so that's um, that's a, that's good. Um, so liking that. Um, I was a little slow on watching Disco. I need to. I I know I'm at a really good episode. And I need to buckle down and watch like an episode or two because I got to like push through. Yeah, you do. Where I am. <laughs> yeah. What season are you on? Uh, four. Uh, three. three. But okay. like I'm, I'm like I'm like three. I don't know five or six or something. Okay. Or, a little further it's it's i know it's a good one it's a two-parter and bob's already yep. like bob's chomping at the bit for me to watch it just so <laughs> i can say something about it um i've been uh which i did some good cooking this weekend i made a um i made uh chicken and spinach in a creamy paprika sauce um uh dish on saturday that came out really well served it over some rigatoni with some biscuits and stuff on the side it was mwah, chef's kiss good I just had it for lunch two days in a row. It, it did not lose anything. Um, nice. And I'll lose anything as a leftover either. Um, and then I, um, Gilgore had given us the, um, those little ampules of um, Vermont. Um, uh, maple uh, syrup, yeah. Syrup, maple syrup. So I made myself pancakes uh, nice. Sunday morning. I just made a batch of pancakes and had that with the syrup and it was just delicious. Um, I've been watching some videos um on youtube at lunchtime um there's this guy i i don't know if you've ever heard of 2b2t um it's the longest running anarchy minecraft server in existence it's been running for like 10 years and when i mean anarchy i mean like there's no rules on that server like it's anything goes um kind of thing and it's known for griefing like bases and things like that there's this guy who has it's not my style of play but there's this guy who's like the 2B2T historian. And he does these videos all about like these different things that have happened in 2B2T. Um, and it's just really fascinating to kind of just see this like 10 year Minecraft world that is like just bonkers in like, like just bonkers. Like when you see the picture of what spawn looks like, it's, it's completely destroyed. Like, it's destroyed in all three realms, like completely destroyed. Um, but there's like all these stories about it and like, you know, people make these like great bases and then like they get discovered and then they get ransacked and, you know, um, they, you know, they get ransacked and griefed and stuff like that. But it's really like, I just, I find the historian guy like really compelling. So I've been watching those videos at lunchtime. Uh, and then I stumbled onto a video of um, uh, somebody recorded all the songs from injustice for all um but with uh, with an actual bass like they were playing bass with it like so there was an actual bass track and i don't know how much you know about metallica or, or the history of metallica and stuff but um the band was like super pissed at the um replacement bass player when injustice for all was recorded so they basically like turned off his track um and so, like, if you ever listen to Injustice for All, there's, like, hardly any bass in it. And this guy, like, goes back and plays all the songs, like, with a, like, with a bass in it, like, with a full bass line. 
and it's so good. Mm-hmm. Like it's so, so good. And I was just listening to it at work and I was like, damn, like if they had only left the bass track in this like album, like as good as That's it is, like the, the version, oh, the version of one with a bass track and it was just like it was so savage like it was just oh i don't know how else to say it It was it was great so anyway um i did that and then the other cool thing is um i think somewhere on the horizon i'm going to get to work from home again um i think it's going to be weird i think i'm going to be working from home every other week so like one week in the office one week at home is how it looks like it's going to turn out and um I don't love it, but I like the idea of being out of the office 50% of the time. So yeah. um, I'm not, who am I to complain? I was like, well, to save me a tank of gas, if like for a whole week, I basically don't have to drive anywhere, you know, and then yeah. I'll just, the other week I'll drive to campus. Like, I don't know, I guess it's fine. Um, I did snag some of my other stuff from my other office in the South towns. Um, so I now have everything here in my apartment um, all I have to do is bring my laptop home. Everything else, I, I don't have to take any other gear with me home. I just bring my laptop, plug it in, and I'm up and running for work um, from here. So fingers crossed, I'll, uh, fingers crossed a couple of my, you know, I'll soon be like every other week just chilling, uh, working in Casa de Phil. Cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's it for me. All right. Well, that will take us into the outro patreon shout outs we would really like to thank all of you who have been patrons of the show and tonight especially joe rosso john mt black mike olson padme's lover robert dorgan ryan bolter and troy pitchelman and thank you to everyone for listening tonight yeah Thank you. Indeed. If you are free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. The Queen's Time, come join us live on Twitch, where you can join um, the other awesome listeners in our chat room for life and ask us the occasional question. But if you can't make it to the live show, you can check out our podcast each week wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, take a listen to some of their shows in the Star Trek Mark Network, such as There are Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bone Sword Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Paris Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, Jean Crew Hustle, the Lounge, Voice Experience, and back episodes of Sheets of the Preview. And of course, you can and should also check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the always amazing Gaming and BS. After you have presented yourself as friendly and trustworthy, and before you open up and become vulnerable, leave us some feedback. You can reach us directly via email, mmp at misdirectedmark.com. Hit us up on Twitter. The show and the network is at misdirectedmark. He is Robert M. Everson. He is GM Gerrymander, and I am DNA Phil. If you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games are at patreon.com slash MMP. Zhangu Hustle is at patreon.com slash Zhangu Hustle, and Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. But this has been a Mr. Mark production. The media arm of Encoded Designs. Mic drop. We out.